I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. And I'm going to read the 12th and the 13th verses. One of my favorite historical pastors, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but there are books available and all kinds of things, is Dr. Hagen, Brother Hagen, Brother Kenneth Hagen. And I, I always like sometimes to preface this by saying, you know, there, when I was growing up, there were people that would say things and preach things and call it things that he had preached and said, but I, I never heard him say the things they said. I never heard anything come out of him that... that that I found, you know, there were things that I needed to learn and things that maybe were different from what I learned. But overall, his doctrine and his teaching was so amazing. And he was a prophet to the church. And so, you know, I listened to a lot of what he has to say. The Bible says if you hear the prophets and you believe them, you listen to them, you'll prosper. I want to prosper. How many of you want to prosper? And he was asked one time, he said, he was asking, they asked him, uh, what are your secrets to success? And he gave two that I want to point out this morning. Because he had great success and broke a lot of traditional doctrines and history in the church during his season. He said, first of all, we give first place to the word of God, all of it. I like that, that it's all of it. You know, I, I, I understand in, in listening to the word, reading the word of God, that the primary passages for me are the New Testament. It's, it's a new covenant, new relationship, not a new God or new teaching. It's just the covenant has changed, not the word has changed. Everything in the Bible from cover to cover is anointed of God. It is, it is written by God, breathed by the Holy Spirit. It's inspired scripture. And we live under the covenant that we're under. See, they didn't have Jesus in the old covenant. We have Jesus in the new. How many of you have been to a 3D movie? Just raise your hand if you've been to a 3D movie. If you've been to a 3D movie, when you go to the 3D movie, interestingly enough, if you don't wear the glasses, there's a lot you can't see. How many know what I'm talking about? Stuff's not, it's, it can even be blurry. I mean, the, the general picture is there, but, but when they give you those glasses and you put the glasses on, a life comes to that picture that you can't have without the glasses. All of a sudden, stuff's coming off the screen. It, it's coming at your face, and stuff you couldn't see before widens, and it's just a whole nother perspective of what was originally there. You and I have the glasses from Jesus Christ's blood. Come on, somebody. I can see through the blood of Jesus, and I can see things differently. What was examples is not examples to me anymore. It's reality. Somebody say amen. I can see the covenant that I have. I see the relationship that I have in Jesus Christ. And it makes an, an absolute difference in the way I review scripture. So I read it all. But some things I understand if I look at it through the glasses. That God wasn't saying some of the things that we've been told that, that he said. You and I basically are entangled in if we looked at the law, there were three things under the law that, that people endured. First of all, if you were there, you endured, you were dealing with sin. All of us dealt with sin under the law. And really, there was no way out of it. There was only coverings for it. So God covered sin, but you weren't redeemed. It wasn't, you weren't, it wasn't paid for. So God would cover the sin. So you dealt with sin. Then you dealt with poverty a lot. I mean, the poverty was part of the curse. People lived in poverty then. And so, uh, you know, and we're, and we're talking about faith because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. I mean, no, you got to have faith to please God. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to have faith. I mean, tell them with some authority. Tell them, man, you got to have faith. 
You've got to have faith. If you don't have faith, you cannot please God. I mean, if you want to please God, it requires you to live and walk by faith. I walk by faith and not by sight. Somebody say, I walk by faith. You're not walking by your sight. You're not walking by what you know. You're walking by faith. You better know what faith is. You better know how to get faith. Because if you don't have it, you can't please it. But they dealt with sin. They dealt with sickness. They dealt with poverty. They had poverty in their life. I mean, they lived under a poverty system. They didn't have the blessings like you and I have blessings. They walked in enough. God wants you and I to walk in more than enough. Oh, look, you didn't get excited. Somebody ought to get a little bit happier about that. I don't know where you're at, but you're not there yet. Amen? You haven't reached it yet. You say, well, you don't know. I already have $100 million. So what? You are not there yet. Come on. I mean, I mean, wherever you are, God has a bigger horizon. If, if you've already seen it, then you're not walking in God. Because God said, I had not seen, ear had not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of a man the things that God has in store for them. I want you to know something. God is for you. And if God be for you, it really doesn't matter who or what or whatever is against you. Somebody say, God's for me. Come on, shout it out. God is for me. When you get a revelation and you get the knowledge that God is for you, you're going to find out that you have a way out, a way up, a way around, a way through it. God has made a way. God has prepared for you to make it to the other side. He's prepared for you to be blessed on top. He's prepared for you to have more than enough. He's prepared to carry it out from generation to generation to generation to generation. Come on, somebody. You ought to say, thank God my kids are going to be better than me. They're going to do more than I do. They're going to have more than I had. They're going to possess more than I possessed. They're going to walk in more than I walked in because the blessings of God have come upon me and no enemy formed against me. Not one weapon, not one thing that comes and attacks me or comes after me shall ever prosper. Come on, somebody. How many know God is for you and God's prospering you? Come on, act like it, church. Act like you know God's for you. Act like you know God is with you. Act like you know he's around the corner when you're about to make the turn. Act like he's prepared your way. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. I'm not walking in a wilderness. I'm walking in provision. I'm walking in blessing. I'm walking in prepared steps. I'm walking in God's making a way where there is no, there's not enough shouting. Somebody here ought to shout amen. I'm always coming up. I'm always going over. I'm always coming around it. I'm always going through it. I serve a God that is more than enough. I didn't say the mountain wouldn't be there. I just said God would get me over it, around it, or through it. I didn't say there wouldn't be storms. I said you've got a God who can part the waves, who can stop the seas from trembling, who can make a way where there is no way. You've got that kind of a God. You've got that kind of power living on the inside of you because greater is he that is in me. Nobody's shouting enough yet. You're not shouting enough yet. Come on. Come on, somebody. Shout. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know whose child you are? Don't you know whose refrigerator you're eating out? Don't you know whose windows get open? Don't you know who pours out the blessing? Don't you know? Don't you know? 
I told the church Wednesday night, I'll go ahead and tell all of y'all today. My son got mad at me and said, why you got to tell everything about us? Because you're my son. Let me tell you, there are no better examples in life as a preacher than your family. Somebody say amen. He said, people come up to me, they know more about my life than I know about my life. I said, because I told them. Stephen working at the church, you know, I, I, he has to use equipment here because he does media, technology, pictures, film, social media, and all that kind of stuff. In order for him to do that, we had to buy computers. We had bought them and had them on, you know, in possession. And uh, they're good Macintosh computers because Macintosh for us is the thing we use. And it's usually the best in terms of media, technology, and all the stuff we do. And we had bought a uh, computer and he was using that computer, and it's about a 30-something, $100 Macintosh MacBook Pro. A really nice 16-inch, you know, so you could see. And uh, I've been believing God because he's getting older, and, I, you know, he doesn't need to, me buying all his stuff and him using the church stuff. And eventually, every time he gets in trouble, I threaten with taking everything away. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about? I got a lot of leverage. You know, you need to have leverage with your kids. If you don't know that yet, give them stuff that you can take away. Amen. So, so I would just threaten him. You're going to lose your cameras. You're going to lose your TV. You're going to lose your computer. You're going to lose your camera. You're going to, you know, whatever it is. See, I just make stuff up. You see, I'm taking it away. You'll have nothing. When you leave here, you'll have nothing. <laughs> he's getting old enough to know he's being manipulated. That's a problem. So anyway, I just, you know. But I've been praying, God, you know, he's got to get it on his own. And right now, he doesn't make the kind of money to go buy a $3,000 computer. And I'd like to begin to give him these things. I'd like you to get him to get, I want you to bless him. And I've been, I mean, we've taught him. I, and I, on Saturday night, we'd gone and we were talking about tithes in my house. And I just was reminding Stephen, I said, you just thank God. You give your tithes. Always give God what belongs to him and keep your blessings flowing. Keep the doors open for him. You're not looking for dad to bless you. You're looking for God to bless you. How I many know it's better to have God bless you? So he, he paid his tithes that night, and I saw it pop up, you know, on the, on the, the site, you know, Stephen's name. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty happy with that, you know. And I reminded him as he went back to bed, just remember. On Saturday, a guy had called him about a computer a little bit better than the one he had that I was letting him use. This guy was a photographer in town, and just he had bought a new computer and wanted to get rid of this one. And he was asking, he started off asking somewhere between 18 and 2,000 for the computer. I don't know if he came down to 15 or whatever it was, which was a really good deal. And I said, okay, Stephen, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll offer him $1,350, which is beyond good. That's like steel. Steel. And so he called him and said, my dad says he's got cash. He'll give you cash tomorrow, $1,350. He said, okay. He said, I may not be able to eat, but I'll take it. <laughs> exact words. Stephen went, had lunch with the guy. The guy had it wrapped in the original box, wrapped with the original foil, with the original taping, everything in it, just like it had come out of a brand new store. There wasn't even dirt on the charger. Looked like it had just come out of the store. And he, he walked over to Stephen before Stephen left and handed him the computer. Stephen went to hand him the $1,350. He says, no, don't want it. Walked out the door and gave Stephen. Oh 
He don't deserve it. He didn't earn it. He's not worthy of that. But God is. See, that's a blessing you and I have. That's the glasses that you and I wear. That we wear glasses that people can give us things. Whatever it is that people can fund us. God will cause men to pour into your bosom. You can fast and pray and do all the things you want to. But when you obey God and you follow his plan, he excessively blesses you beyond what you can ask or even think. They didn't have those glasses. That's why some of these guys get up and they try and say, well, God's trying to teach you. They're trying to equate you to what the, the Old Testament was in. I have redemption. I've accepted Jesus. He lives in my heart. If it can't be in him, it can't be in me. If you can't do it to him, you shouldn't be able to do it to me. I don't have to keep stuff that doesn't belong to me. If God has set me free and he's redeemed me, I've been set free from the curse of the law. For cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree that the blessings of Abraham may come upon us. I'm just trying to stay out of the way of God's blessing. I'm trying to keep my decisions so that I don't affect the avenue. Come on, somebody. I'm keeping the door open. They were cursed with sin. They were cursed with poverty. And they were cursed with sickness. But the Bible says that by Jesus' stripes, you and I were healed. I've got different glasses. I've got different glasses. I've seen people. Now listen to me. We've lost people in our lives that went to heaven. And they went to heaven and it wasn't because they were healthy. But I want you to know something. The Bible said clearly that by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. I don't know why they didn't get healed here. Now, I know this. I know this. What what I fight is not God. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not fighting God. And then say this, God's not fighting me. Not one scripture in the Bible says God's your enemy. Not one scripture in the Bible declares that God is the person that hurts you, offends you, wounds you, tears you down, discorrupts your life, gives you uh, 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 depression, discouragement. Not one. Not one. He's the one that restores our soul. He's the one that returns us. He's the one that blesses. I want you to say this. Jesus gives me life and that more abundantly. Everybody with me? They had sickness. And we've lost people in our lives. I've lost people in my life. They went to be with Jesus. They left this planet. It could have been because of their mouth. I didn't say it was because of their faith. It could have been because the Bible says, listen, you could believe in Christ, but unless you confess him as Lord, you're not saved. So you could believe and not confess and go to hell. Even though he loves you and everything about you, he says you have to believe in your heart. And confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? So you can have portions of scripture, but not all of it for revelation. It takes revelation for you to get this thing. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? So maybe the Bible says you'll say unto the mountain, be thou removed, plucked up, cast into the sea, shall not doubt in your heart. But believe the thing that you say shall come to pass. You'll have what you say. 
You're waiting on God to say something he already said. You're waiting on God to do something he already did. You're waiting on God to act when it's about you acting. Somebody say it's about me. How about their mouth? How about their attitude? How about their mindset? How about, how about, I mean, there are things we can't see that have to change in our lives. But I know this. This is what I do know. I'm absolutely certain of this. When they left this planet and they went to heaven, they weren't sick no more. I didn't get enough shouting on that. I didn't get enough shouting on that. I just didn't get enough. I know people don't understand what I'm saying, but let me tell you something. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The best place a believer can be is with Jesus. Paul said it this way. I'd rather be here or I'd rather be there, but I've got to be here. He made the choice to stay, but he knew it was better there. Listen, it's better to be in heaven where Jesus is the light. It's better to be where there are mansions on the hillside. It's better to be there where the streets are gold. But I know this, when you get there, there'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more dying. There'll be no more discouragement. There'll be no more depression. There'll be no more sadness. There'll be no more hurt and deflection. Oh, no, 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 no. You're going to be in the Lamb's book of life. You're going to be standing by the throne of God. You're going to be worshiping with the angels. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. I don't know about you, but I know this. When I die, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm going to. I'm not afraid to die. I don't want to go today, but I'm not afraid to go. My mother-in-law was sick, you know, and it had come time where we had gotten to where we had to go to hospice. This was the second time I've been in hospice, but this was the worst time for me because my mother was in hospice, and for several days she laid there and eventually expired, but she was basically completely and totally comatose there was just nothing you could do and so she wasn't aware at all but it was hard because i had to sit there you know and watch all that has anybody ever been in hospice but me anybody ever seen that you know if you're old enough christian you go through this program you realize thank god for them people i mean seriously thank god for them people i mean thank god for those folks you know they're not trying to get people to die they're just trying to help them die and there's a big difference, amen, because if you're, if you're, I mean, your body's only going to do so much unless Jesus heals you. And sometimes we've got to say, you know, people get mad at me, but I'm going to keep saying it so everybody understands this. There are times you have to pray, Lord, heal them or take them. They either got to stay or they got to go. I've already been down that road. And watching Pat on that table and watching her deteriorate and diminish, if you're not going to heal her, and I don't know why you didn't, I have no idea. Now, I do know some things about faith. I know some things that she did that contributed. I know that she didn't say some things she needed to say. She didn't do some things she needed to do. I'm not going to go there. Y'all don't need to know all the details, but let me tell you something. It wasn't God. God didn't take Pat. You understand? But I believe God hooked up with her faith. She was ready to go, and God said, okay. I'm going to help you this morning because we're struggling with this. We struggle with this in our lives where we're hanging on and hanging on and hanging on. And if you're one of those people that you got to go, you need to be willing one day to look up at your family and say, I'm done. I've had enough. I've done all I can do. I'm tired. I'm going to be with Jesus. I believe heaven's better. Would somebody in here say amen? Amen. I know it gets all heavy. My wife said, the last time you talked about death, everybody got all quiet and everything. They said, it was pretty heavy. I said, but I made them shout later. 
Come on, I'll add some anesthesia to this thing in a minute. Amen. Come on. But till we do, you need to understand something. We are believing for healing. We're standing in faith for healing. And every time you walk through the door, you ought to believe somebody's getting healed because by his stripes you're healed. The Bible says lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. But I want you to know something. If they don't, don't get mad at God. It wasn't his fault. Stop being angry with God. Why didn't God? How come you didn't? Why didn't you come through? Why didn't you? You're not that person. Faith is a single individual event. You can't heal nobody. Come on, somebody. Then be willing to understand a God who loves us, who cares about us, who loves everything about us. He's taking care of us. He's watching over us. He knows the hearts of men. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on between him and their healing. Hook up with God. Those are the rose-colored glasses that I'm talking about. Those are the blood-stained glasses that I can look through. That I know God is not my problem. Somebody say, God's not my problem. So they had this problem. They dealt with sin, sickness, and disease. Now we've been delivered from the curse of the law. We have Jesus who is our heavenly father. He's our healer, our deliverer. He's done the work necessary to complete the process. Nothing, nothing, listen to me, nothing, nothing you have ever gone through. Nothing you are going through, nothing you're going to go through, God hasn't already seen and already made an answer. I want you to shout that out. God has my answer. Say it again. God has my answer. Then say to every need that I have. See, some of y'all don't understand this. Let me just... You know, maybe, maybe it doesn't make any sense to you, but the Bible says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you have no needs, God's not working. Well, that's a mouthful of words, isn't it? Because everybody in this building wants God to work for them until they have no needs and they think they're finished. But God stopped working when you didn't have a need. If you're full of needs, you've got a God full of answers. I don't think you understand. See, I run around looking for the need. I run around looking because I know God's going to supply the need. I'm not offended when needs come. I'm not upset when I get into a needy situation. I know that a God who supplies all the needs is going to show up. Come on, somebody. My God is able to make all grace abound toward me that he will give me all sufficiency in all things and supply unto every good work. There isn't a work in your life that God will not supply and a need that God will not provide. I want you to know something. If God is for you, it doesn't matter. I'm shouting because I want to get it in your spirit. I want to get it down on the inside of you. Stop fighting God when a need shows up. God doesn't bring the need, but he definitely brings the answer. Come on, somebody. My God is an answering God. I serve a God who answers by fire. Some of y'all would be shouting right now. You're like, you don't understand. I can't pay my car payment. Get up and dance a little bit. Shout a little bit. I don't want nobody to know. I understand. You don't want the world to know. I get it. That's embarrassing for you. But God knew before you got there. 
God knew where you were before you even got to the moment. He knew when the payment was late before you even made the, or before they even sent you the bill. And I serve a God. I flew the kids. I, I drove the kids. I actually drove, put them on a bus, 55 passenger bus. I've come to trust God. Faith has trust in it. It has wisdom in it. And we're going to get there. I'm almost finished, but listen. I put all these kids on a 55-passenger bus. It was the first year they had the forward conference in Atlanta. We, were, we had decided not to go to camp. We were just going to take them forward. Israel Houghton, all kinds of speakers. It was just a weekend-long thing. And it wasn't even at the convention center. Now it's at a convention center. 60, 70,000 people showed up to this thing. But when we were there, it was just thousands. We were them. We got on a bus and I drove them to Atlanta, Georgia. Now, I was in faith, so I wouldn't do this today because I'm a lot more wise. Say <laughs> so we operate in wisdom. I just want to know God took care of my stupidity. I mean, you know, sometimes God will come when you were the dumbest you could be and he'll bail you out. Come on, I want you to know something. Don't sit there and say, I'm so dumb. Just tell God I was so dumb. Help me out of this thing. God, will you bail me out of this? Can you get, I've watched God bail me out more times than I can count. Where he just came in and said, you know something, Steve, that was dumb, but I love you anyway. I feel that way about my kids. When my kids make a mistake, I'm doing everything I can to fix the mistake. Are y'all like the parents like me? You're like trying to keep them out of it. And if you can't, you try and save them from it. My God does the same thing. Put them on the bus. Flew them to Atlanta. I had enough money for Amy and I to get on a plane. I had to preach, do something, and I had to go. So we got on a plane, flew to Atlanta. We were going to meet them in Atlanta. When I got on the plane, I don't know how much we had in the bank, but payroll was due Monday, rent was due Monday. Thousands of dollars were due. This is the glasses that I had on. And I knew, God, these kids need to go. This is about their lives. They're sa saving them and touching them. And my heart was compassionate for these kids. I, whatever I had to do, I would have sold my house to send them. Anyway, I, I, we got on the plane, flew there. When we got in the car, I think there was like $168 in the church bank account. That's dumb. I just want you to know that was dumb. But it would have made a difference because it would have only been a few dollars difference in renting the bus. I mean, we would have had $368 in the bank or $3,068. And still I had, you know, rent, payroll, bills. None of that would have mattered. You ever been where it just don't matter? You just got to have God and only God. That's where I was. I'm thinking, well, we'll ship them up there, close the building when we get back, I guess. We had a great conference. But in the middle of the conference... I'm praying, God, I need you to pay these bills. I need a miracle. In the middle of that conference, I got a call from TV 15 behind us that owned the building and was in this building before we got in. And they had just sold the company to a new TV station in Chicago. And the TV station wanted to buy it immediately. They needed us to sign over an easement behind the building. You know where the wires run across our parking lot in the back? If you go around when you leave today, just look. It's only about one foot by ten feet maybe. Just, it's just a line across the parking lot on the corner of the parking lot where nobody even parks. And so I'm on the phone with him and the Lord says, hold on a minute. Tell me you call him back. Click. Call them back. The Lord spoke to me while I was on it. 
I'm waiting. The Lord speaks to me. He says, tell him you'll take 10,000 for it. I called the lady back and said, okay. I said, I'll sign the lease, but I'll take $10,000 for the lease. Oh, we never, we're never going to pay. We're not. No, you you think you are. You're some preacher over there. You think you're something. And I was thinking, I'm thinking, oh, I think God's something. I don't think I'm nothing. I said, okay. This is what I said. exact words. It's like God came to me and said, okay, no problem. I'm just going to take some clippers and cut your wire. Exact words. I'm just going to go out there with some hedge trimmers. I'll just cut the wire. We won't worry about it. Then you don't need the easement. I'll call you right back. I'll call you back. She hangs up. She calls back. She says, okay, we'll take, we'll give you 10,000. Immediately. Now I got $10,168. Somebody say amen. I'm thinking I can at least pay my rent. I can at least pay some of the staff. We'll still be broke. But when I got back here, there was a check for $22,000 on that Sunday in the offering. I left with a, I left with 168. I came back with $32,168 that I didn't earn. I didn't work for. I didn't do anything. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't able. See, some of y'all let the devil tell you you're not worthy. Well, you're not worthy and you're never going to be worthy. But you got a Jesus on the inside of you who makes you holy, who makes you righteous, who makes you able, who will provide. When nobody else can come through, God will always come through. You're not bound by the curse of the law. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And you've been, you've been met with the blessings of Abraham. I want you to shout it out. I have... The blessings of Abraham. Come on, somebody shout to God a little bit, will you? Come on, give God praise. I want to finish. For every person in here, because there are people come in this house and they've always been in churches where they felt like they were sinners and felt like they were going to hell and felt like they were useless and worthless and they felt like they never believed, they never could go back because they just never felt worthy. Join the club. Not one of us that walked in this building was ever worthy. Was ever good enough was ever what God wanted. He says he turns us into. He's able to make all grace abound to us that we can have all sufficiency. He, he empowers us. We all start at zero. We all start at, we don't believe in ourselves. We don't think we can make it. We don't think we can do it. The enemy of my life is not God. I want you to know some God is never Ever the problem. Don't you ever give God credit for bad things. Because he said every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turn. I want you to shout out, God is good. He's really, really good. And he's really, really good all the time. So who do I fight? Number one, you fight the world. You live in the world. You build a house on the beach. You put it on stilts, whatever you want to do. When a hurricane comes, it's on the You better have insurance. You better have you some insurance. You better have some good insurance. 
Because all of us know storms are coming, don't we? Amen. Don't come on, come on. Don't act like you don't know a storm is coming. If you live on the beach, you expect storms. Yes. Somebody shout amen. If you live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you expect tornado. <laughs> I mean, stuff's coming. The world we live in, stuff's coming. Listen, you better be glad my wife is driving. You don't want me driving on the road. Every one of y'all have to be in the Holy Ghost driving on the road if I'm driving. You just better off if I'm not behind the wheel. Trust me, we got insurance. I'm there, I was parked out here in front of the church just like last week. I'm parked out here in front of the church. I'm stopped. I'm getting ready to make the left-hand turn. A car passed me. I haven't even moved. Now, yeah, I ran right into me. It's because I was driving. See, if my wife was driving, he'd just, he wouldn't hit her. Now, you live in a planet where I got to drive. You got to drive. Trees fall. Mechanics do bad things. Come on, I, I went and had my tires fixed, and the guy said, you need brakes. I let him put brakes on. I don't know what he did to the back brake, but I don't know. I got to take it back because it's like grinding the whole drum down. It's tearing up because I live with people who can't do good jobs sometimes. Great mechanic. It's just a bad day. I'm going back. The world. Look at somebody say, we fight the world. We fight the world. It's what we live in. Right? We fight the world. But we have authority. You and I have authority. I'll tell you what. I, I, I remember one, one weekend we were out here. We were about to do something on the grounds outside. It was a huge thing and there were thousands of people coming. I don't know if it's a block party or whatever it was. We're out there and it's about to come down. They have declared storms, lightning and everything else. And I'm like, no. No. I, I'm believing God. This ain't going to happen to us. I went out there in authority. And I put my hands up towards that storm and I said, you're going to split and you're going to open up and you're going to leave a place of dryness right through here. I have the radar picture. I could show you where the storm went like this. Right over Family Worship Center. We never got the rain. My mom and dad painted their house when I was a little kid. And I watched my parents walk out there. And in, in, in Missouri, when it rains, it comes in sheets and it just drives forward. You know, drive over your house. And so you could see the sheets of rain in front of us. My mom and dad went out there and cursed that rain in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, it split. The house never got a drop of rain. It rained all the way around the house. It never rained on the house. It didn't ruin our paint because my parents went out there in authority and said no. Now, I'm not suggesting you could do that because Jesus walked on water. Don't go out to the creek out here and start walking. Somebody say amen. You better hear from God on this. It better be faith ought to be working in you. Somebody say amen. You better hear from the Lord. Don't just start walking out there doing dumb stuff. Amen. We'll come have to search you out with a life raft. Amen. I'm not doing that. You're just going to drown. Amen. No, not really. I'll raise you up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a joke. I couldn't raise anybody. Up. Only Jesus could raise them up. But me and Jesus would raise you up. Amen. We have authority. We can take authority. We can use God's authority over our lives. Secondly, we fight ourselves. We fight our attitudes. We fight our mind. Now, remember, in the first one, we have the right to renew or to crucify our flesh. We have a right to stamp down bad behavior, bad thinking. We have a right to control the mistaken use of our, our limbs. But, but, but we fight the world, the flesh, this is where we're dealing with the flesh. We said the world, the flesh. You know, and I always use this as an example. You know, there are a lot of things that we do and don't do that are things that inhibit or prohibit or bless our lives. 
For instance, a lot of you went and bought clothes on a credit card. Raise your hand if you've ever bought clothes on a credit card. And it was on sale. Y'all remember it was on sale? It was $9.99 off or 50% off. Remember you bought that for 50% off? You remember that? Three years later, you're still paying on the credit card at 22% per year. So you paid 40, 66% interest on the credit card. You still got it. And probably the thing is that Goodwill. I don't think the devil made you buy the jacket. Or the car. Or the house. No. We find ourselves. We fight our own minds. Fight the way we think. The last thing is we fight the devil. Now let me say this to you. I want you to understand this. Here's what the Bible says. You'll resist the devil and he will... Come on, if you know the scripture, say it with me. He resists the devil and... What does that mean? That means when you resist the devil, he has to get up and run in terror. That's the exact words in the Greek. That he runs in terror. As a born-again believer, because God is so strong in you, and no weapon formed against you could ever prosper, you have the power to use the authority of God on the devil who's under your feet. Where's the devil? Under your feet. Make sure when you talk to him, you talk to your shoes. I'm just kidding, but that's what I'm trying. I want you to get the concept of how belittled, dwindled, how unimportant, how small he really is. And people are like, ah, you don't understand, they're fighting the devil. Why? Why would you fight the devil? Jesus didn't fight the devil, he rebuked the devil, and the devil ran off in pigs and jumped off a cliff. Everything Jesus did on the earth, he did it as a human being. He did not do it as God. Yes, he was God, but he was all human. He was showing us the power in the human. And what's inside of you, when you have the spirit of God on you and in you, you have the power to tell the devil he has no rights. You cannot be possessed by the devil If you are a born-again Christian. Okay, let me say it again. You cannot be possessed by the devil if you are a born-again Christian. Sweet water and bitter water can't flow out of the same fountain. I'm not saying you can't be messed up. But you can't be possessed. Now, you can be oppressed. That means that you can be affected by what's around you. Affected by the devil. Your thinking can be screwed up. It can be messed up. You can have messed up thinking. Do you understand where you start thinking things that are incorrect? You can have depression and things that come on you because you have allowed, hear me now, and I'm not telling you it goes away in a day, but I'm telling you it can go away. You have the power to rebuke the devil and you have the power to cast him off. You have the power to resist those thoughts. You have the power to speak the word of God over those thoughts. You have the power to speak God over every situation. You have a power to transform, renew. He said, renew your mind. You have the power to renew. Listen, I'm preaching because somebody needs to hear what I'm talking about. I know you said they told you you had schizophrenia. You don't have to keep it. I know they told you you have depression. You don't have to 
stay depressed. I know they told you you are a mess in your head, but God has a way to change your mind, change you from the inside out. It takes the word of God, and when we work faith, he will transform us. And I know this because he said, I have power to renew. I have the power to renew my, you got the power. If you don't speak to it, if you don't talk to it, if you don't confess over it, if you don't speak the word of God, if you don't get the word of God in you, if you don't listen to the word of God, if you don't listen to anointed music, if you don't get yourself under the word of God and let the word of God get on the inside of you won't remove anything. But when you do, when you let him in, when you let him fill your life, when you let him, when you expose everything in you to God, God can take everything in you and expose it and take the devil out and take out that harassment. I occasionally have people come to my office. <laughs> There's something in my walls. This just happens all the time. So it's just none of. I looked around. I walked the whole building. I can see none of them in here, so I can talk about them. Let <laughs> I me mean, look good one more time. Something in my walls, I hear stuff in my walls, stuff in my walls, I hear stuff in my walls, there's something in my ceiling. What did you hear? What's noises and, and, and shaking and rattling? And I know it's the devil. The devil's in my house. I, Paul Chase was here. He's coming back. And I want you to know, Pastor Reggie's going to be here August 14th, 13th. Don't miss it. Lord, if you've come to any service, tell all your friends, get everybody here. Pastor Reggie, Paul Chase is coming in November. We're having a women's meeting. It is official September 17th. All for women. But Paul Chase came to me and he says, I went, I go, they, call, they invite him to this meeting and it's from pastors around the world that have a hundred thousand or more. Thousands of pastors that have churches of a hundred thousand or more show up at this meeting. I was almost shocking. I mean, I think I'm something. But a hundred thousand? Bishop Oyedepo has 2 million. I mean, he has uh, about 200,000 a week at his services. 200,000 people a week. The devil's not omnipotent. He's not all present. He's not all knowing. He is limited. He's small in comparison. He's amoeba. And you're somebody who doesn't have a Facebook page. You ain't won nobody for Jesus in 20 years. You don't preach the word. You're not standing in a pulpit. Nobody's around you. You're by yourself. You're going through all this stuff. And you think that the limited devil who doesn't have enough demons to go around the world, who can't spread himself like the Holy Spirit can, is at your house? Hmm. I'm just thinking... I got to be honest, I think there's a couple times I've sensed when the devil was around Family Worship Center and I did what I told you, I just cast him out. I told him, you can't come here. You can't bring your spirit over Florence. I'm here. Come on, somebody. You can't show up on my job. God will make a way for me. I'm here. I'm in my job. They can't talk to me like that. They can't treat me like that. I'm here. <laughs> so I know more than likely, just in the scale of just natural reason, they probably don't have a demon in their house. And if he was there, why? You ain't doing nothing. Why is he after you? Never mind. Don't get mad. 
That's why everybody in this room should start to understand the problem is really you, your money, your mind, the world you live in. And occasionally, rarely, the devil shows up. So they'll come in and tell me all this stuff. Okay, you know what? And this is what I'm doing. I want you to go home. I want you to go and take your Bible. I want you to walk through your house. And I want you to curse every demon in the name of Jesus. I want you to wipe that house clean. I want you to tell them demons they got to go in Jesus' name. And I tell you, the word of God says they're going to flee your house just like dogs running. They're going to flee. Okay, okay. They come back a week later. Did you do it? Yes. All right. But I'm still hearing stuff in my walls. My next statement is, you need to call an exterminator. We fight the world. We fight the flesh. And we fight the devil. But I have power over the devil. I can renew my mind. And I can crucify my flesh. By faith, I have the power to live an overcoming life. Because I have the power to do those three things. The curse of the law has been abolished. That the blessings of Abraham may come upon me. I want you to shout, I'm blessed. blessed. Say this, I'm blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above not beneath I'm over I'm not under in Jesus name come on somebody say I've got victory come on I've got victory